0: Thanks for joining us on the Hope Podcast. Hope Community Church exists to love people where they are and help them grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. By pursuing this relationship together, we can change the world. We have multiple locations, including an online service found at gethope.tv. If you're not from the greater Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina or near our Agape campus in Haiti, we'd love to still have you be a part of what Hope is up to through our online services. If you do live in our physical area, Go to our website at gethope.net to check out where our campuses are located and our service times. Please like and share this with your friends or family. We are so glad you stopped by.
1: What I love about Hope is that our mission and vision is not just some cute, catchy slogan that hangs on a wall somewhere. It's who we really are. And uh, whether you're watching online or whether you're at one of our campuses this weekend, let me just say thank you so much for being hope where you are, for living out our mission and vision, our vision to reach the triangle and change the world. Because as you just heard through your generosity, you literally are changing the lives of people around the world. But you know what? We also have an opportunity in just a couple weeks to make a huge impact right here in the triangle as well. Easter is just two weekends away, and we would love for you to get to our website, gethope.net slash Easter, where you can find out about all of the service times. You can get your tickets to make sure that you can come to one of our live in-person Easter services. It's gonna be incredible. If you have never been to Hope at Easter time, it's one of the best things we do. This is a, a can't miss thing for you. Now, remember last weekend, Chase had an incredible message. And in the end, he challenged us that God is calling us to go. And many of you made a commitment and said, yes, I'm all in with that. Well, guess what? It's it's go time. And so here's my challenge to you. It's this. Who is your one? If you're coming to Easter services, who's the one friend, the one neighbor, the one coworker that you're going to invite to come and join you? If you're coming as a couple, who's the one couple that you're going to invite to be a part of Easter here at Hope with you? If you're coming as a family, who's the one family that you're going to invite to join you? And you can do that in lots of different ways. You can invite them to watch online. Even better would be to invite them to your house and to watch it together. You can eat good food. It would be an amazing time or we would love for you to join us at one of the many services that are happening across our four physical campuses. Now... You've been hanging around Hope for a little while. You may say, Donnie, I thought it was just three. Our Garner campus meets in Garner High School, and they have not been able to open because of all of the closures and, and stuff that's happening. Well, guess what, Garner people? We have an Easter service for you at the Garner campus. It's going to be happening in the parking lot on Easter Sunday. It is so exciting. We love that we're getting an opportunity to do that. You can go to our Morrisville campus. They've got a couple of services. Four at our Raleigh campus. Four at our Apex campus. Lots of opportunities for you to invite. And so make. Make sure you get online, get your tickets, and join us at one of our Easter services. Now, with Easter being just a couple weeks away, we thought it would be good to do a little series that kind of sets us up and ramps us up into Easter, and so we're calling the series It's Not What You Think, because I think there's a lot of things in life that aren't really what we think they are. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of assumptions we make about life, about, uh, about the universe, and everything in between that... Well, they're not all certifiably true. In fact, I would even say there's a lot of them that are just, they're outright lies. Now, I know some of you are very skeptical, and so I came with proof, okay? Are you ready? Here's a a few of them. Humans have how many senses? How many senses do we have? Five senses, right? There's sight and smell and touch and taste and and hearing. Did I Did I forget any? Neuroscientists would actually tell us that, yeah, I forgot about 15 other senses, like the, the sense to feel pain, the sense of, of passing of time, the, the sense of balance. See, we've been lied to all these years. The movie, The Sixth Sense, is really like the, the 21st sense, which is nowhere near as catchy a title. Still an incredible movie, right? But all of these things are, are just not true. How about this one? Alcohol warms you up. Ever had a, a sip of alcohol on a, on a cold day and you feel that warmth on the inside? If you haven't done it, I'm sure I haven't done it. Don't judge me. It's real cold in Canada. You have no idea how cold it is there. But that burning sensation that we feel on the inside, it's actually not warming you up. When you have alcohol, when you consume it, it dilates your blood vessels. It kind of pushes it to the surface of the skin. It actually drops your core body temperature. So when you're cold, you need to reach for a blanket, not not a flask. Now, again, I know some of you out there are thinking, well, if I drink enough, I won't even feel the cold. We've got counselors for you if that's that's your opinion on this. How about this? Most of us lose most of our body heat through our head, right? You ever had a mom that told you when it's cold, you got to put a hat on because 90% of your body heat escapes through your head? Well, British medical journal, journal proved that it's actually more like 7 to 10%. It's really not much more than any other exposed body part. So just to be clear, 7% if you have hair, 10% if you're one of the pastors here at Hope and, and you look like me. Here's another one. How about uh, cracking our knuckles leads to arthritis? You ever, you ever heard of, of that one? Well, annoying, yes. Arthritis, no. That's a, another lie out there. One last one. Twinkies, Twinkies last forever, right? We know that if anything is going to survive an apocalypse, it would, be, it would be Twinkies. But actually, here's what they say. Twinkies are less than optimal to eat after about 25 days on a shelf. 25 days. I know that in most gas stations, those Twinkies have been there somewhere between two and five years, right? Definitely not 25 days. So there are a lot of things in life that just, they just aren't what we think, Jesus is famous for a lot of things, right? But a couple of the things that I think he is most famous for. One is his resurrection, right? We're going to celebrate that in a couple of weeks at Easter, and, 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 and we should. It's, it's the thing that the single greatest event that changed human history. But another thing that Jesus is incredibly famous for is how his teachings changed the lives of people, changed everything. In fact, look at Mark 1.22. It says, the people were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. In fact, 23 times in the Bible, it says that crowds of people were amazed at the things that Jesus said and the the things that he taught, the things that he did. See, we think it's real important for you to know who God is and what he has done for you, that you know that for yourself. That it's not just something that you think you know or that you think you heard from someone else, but something that you truly understand and get for yourself. And then I think one of the biggest areas of misunderstanding that happens in our lives comes in the area of how do I find and live in peace? Because we all want peace in our lives, right? We want our kids, with our kids, we want peace and quiet. We've been told that we need to make peace with the past. Uh, We have police officers. Their job is to keep the police. And we know that one day when we die, someone is going to tell us to rest in peace. But often what happens is that we try to find peace in in the wrong places and, and too often in the wrong ways as well. In fact, I think there are a few peace stealers in our lives, the things that, that, that kind of pressure and stress us, right, that, that remove peace when we face these situations and circumstances in our lives. I think there's a few categories. The first one is, is pressures. We all face different kind of pressures in our lives. For some of us, it's the pressure to please people, because we all wanna be liked, right? We want people to like us. And sometimes we feel that pressure of, of expectations of other people and, 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 it, and it pressures and it weighs down on us. Maybe it's the pressure to be successful. We all want to be the best, right? We all want to stand out at something. We all want to be recognized for something in our lives. In fact, I think, I think social media feeds into this. It, it creates all kinds of comparison traps that happen in our lives. And so there's a lot of pressure to be successful. There's financial pressures. There's marriage pressures and, and family and children pressures, parenting pressures. There's pressures in the pace of life that we run at, right? In our jobs or at school, surrounded by all kinds of deadlines, whether it's deadlines that we've put there or other people have put there, but all of these pressures begin to weigh down on us. Pressures in when we're in conflict or, or have confrontation with other people. There's pressure, do I wear a mask or don't wear a mask? Pressure to get the vaccine or don't get the vaccine? Pressure to get a quarantine puppy because everyone else is getting one of those, right? The pressures in our lives, they can easily steal peace from us. Here's another category. It's the category of pain. See, I think a lot of us have experienced, we've all experienced loss. A lot of us really experienced it in this past year. Maybe for some, it was the loss of a job. For many, our, our finances, right? Our situations changed in our, in our financial systems and our financial structures, and what we were hoping and holding on to, that there, that there was a lot of loss in that relational loss that we experienced. Some of us experienced health loss through this pandemic. Even, even for some of us, we lost loved ones. You think of the senseless tragedy that just happened in, in Atlanta a few days ago, right? And the, what those families are going through in that pain of loss. I think there's other things that create pain in our lives. There's regret. The things that we wish we could go back and do over. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I didn't respond in that way. Maybe it's uh, hurts that cause pain. Hurts that we have caused in the lives of other people or or hurts that other people have done that that have weighing down in on us. Maybe it's forgiveness. It's kind of like hurts. Uh, That we're not ready to ask that person to forgive us or we're not willing to give forgiveness to, to someone who has hurt us. There's a staggering increase in anxiety and and depression in our culture. All of these things feed into pain, right? And and that pain, it robs us of peace. There's one other big category. It's the category of problems. Whether it's the mistakes that we've made in the past that we're still holding on to, decisions that that we're struggling with or decisions that we regret. Maybe it's habits, the, the things that we just can't shake and for some of us have gotten even worse over this past year, year and a half relationship problems, circumstances that we can't control. For many of us out there, it's the fact that our kids are still at home, right? These are problems and these problems and these pressures and these pain, they rob us and it steals peace from our lives. See, I think for a lot of us, we thought thought all this was gonna end at the end of 2020, that 2021 was gonna be a new year. But the reality is this, it's not what you thought, is it? I love this verse though. Look at Psalm 34, verse 19. It says, the righteous person faces many troubles, but the Lord comes to the rescue each time. That word for troubles, it it actually has a a connection to an Assyrian um, torture method. And what they would do is they would actually tie someone to a pole and one at a time they would begin to pile up rocks around that person. And they would begin to, to build it out like a big pyramid or like a teepee around them and they would continue to pile rock after rock after rock until eventually the weight of it and the pressure it would crush the person to death. I mean, what a picture of what life feels like at times, right? Jobs and money and relationships and, and kids, a global pandemic, and all of these things that begin to pile on top of us. And we feel the pressure. And some of us, some of us are in a place right now where we feel like if, if one more thing comes at me, I'm going to be crushed under the weight of this. But look at, look at this promise. But the Lord comes to the rescue each time. Let me show you how, right? Because we're not the first ones that have had to learn how to deal with pain and pressures and problems in our lives. And Jesus actually has a solution that can help us deal with these things. In, in Jesus' last few hours before uh, going to the cross, what we're going to celebrate at Easter in a couple of weeks, he had an encounter with Peter, who is one of his disciples, one of his, his kind of closest friends. And, uh, and in this discussion, Jesus says to them that he's about to enter into his glory. And he's trying to give them a perspective and understanding that that he's about to die and then he's trying to give them an understanding of his resurrection that's coming and and they just don't get it. And Jesus says to them, he says, guys, guess what? You can't go where I'm going right now. Well, Peter steps up and says, no, Jesus, I I can go wherever you want me to go, right? I'm willing to die for you. Look at what Jesus said, John 13, verse 38. Jesus answered, die for me. I tell you the truth, Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. I mean, if you're new to church, you're, you're new to the Bible, Peter is, is the leader of Jesus' followers, of his friends, of his group of, of disciples, right? And Peter's in this place right now where he says, Jesus, I'm willing to go wherever you, wherever you go, right? I'm all in with you, Jesus. I'm willing to die for you. But Jesus knows better. In fact, look at what happened just a few hours later. John chapter 18. Simon Peter followed Jesus, as did another of the disciples. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Peter had to stay outside of the gate. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in. But as she did, look at what she said. The woman asked Peter, you're not one of that man's disciples, are you? No, he said, uh, not me, right? I, I clearly you have me mistaken with someone else. I, I'm not, I'm not one, of, one of those guys. Because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. And so they stood around it, warming themselves. And Peter stood with them, warming himself. Jump ahead to verse 25. And it says, meanwhile, as Simon Peter was standing there by the fire, warming himself, they asked him again, you're not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it saying, no, I'm not, right? I mean, I just have one of those faces, right? I got like a disciple kind of face, but uh, I'm not one of uh, of those guys, right? I I wasn't hanging out with him. But one of the household slaves of the high priest, a, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off literally just a couple of hours ago, he asked, didn't I see you out there in the olive grove with Jesus? And again, Peter denied it. And immediately a rooster crowed. So I have to believe in that moment, right? That, that immediately Jesus' words began to flash through Peter's mind when that rooster crowed, right? That you will deny me three times. I and mean, here's Peter. He has three opportunities to stand up for Jesus, three opportunities to, to die for Jesus like he said he was ready to do, three opportunities to say no to temptation, to resist the pressures that other people were putting on him, three opportunities to do the right thing and three separate times Peter denies Jesus just as Jesus predicted. I mean, how did Peter go from this courageous confidence that he had, right, to to being cowering in in, in fear? I mean, what happened? What changed in him? See, Peter experienced our, our peace stealers. I mean, he felt the pressures of what other people were thinking about him, right? I I don't think, I'm not one of those guys. I wasn't with Jesus. That that wasn't me, right? He was afraid to admit that he knew who Jesus was. He felt pain. He felt the pain of loss, right? As he stood at a safe distance watching Jesus be beaten and then eventually going to a cross and dying there. He, He felt the pain of disappointment, the pain of shame in his life, knowing that he did the very thing that he said he would never, never do. I think he also had a problem. The problem was that he couldn't change his circumstance. The consequences of his decisions, right? He felt the full weight of those things on himself now. And he felt empty and he felt lonely and helpless and lost. See, the thing that Peter needed most in this moment was peace. The problem was he didn't know how to find it. And the truth is, is that I don't think most of us know how to find it either. Here's the good news. Good news is this. Jesus knows exactly what we need. In fact, he's already already provided it for us. In fact, look at this verse. This this verse that we're gonna look at, it it happens actually after Jesus predicted that Peter was gonna deny him and before Peter actually went out and denied him. So Jesus knows the circumstance. He knows the situation. He knows what Peter is about to go through. And look at the promise that Jesus makes, not just to Peter and not just to the disciples, but to us 2,000 years later. John 14, 27, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and of heart, right? I mean, total peace. And the peace that I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled. Don't be, don't be afraid. I mean, that's a game-changing promise, isn't it? I mean, there's a couple things here that Jesus said. First, he says that this peace is a gift, A gift is something that, it's not something you work for. It's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can buy. A gift is something that is given and a gift is something that that has to be received. I mean, it's gonna cost somebody something, but it costs the giver all of that, right? That's who pays the price for it. We just have to choose whether we will freely receive that gift or not. But here's the second thing that Jesus says. He says, God's peace is different than the world's version of peace. See, world peace is fragile, isn't it? Uh, There's different statistics out there depending on the past handful of years, but in the last 3,400 years or so, they say that we've had about 268 years of peace. In our existence as a nation here in the U.S., we've had 17 years of peace in the entire existence of our country. In fact, historians estimate that about 8% of recorded human history lived in peace. 8%. We don't have peace in our world. We don't even have peace in our country right now. We know that world peace is a very fragile thing, even though it's still the number one answer at every beauty pageant, right? World peace, world peace. That's what we, that's what we want, that's what we need. See, our peace is based on circumstances. When, when things are going well in my life, then I'm at peace. But when things are in, in chaos, when things are outside of my control, then I no longer have peace. But the peace that God offers, it isn't a thing to find, It's actually a relationship to receive. Let me give you a little bit more good news. It's this, the story doesn't end here for Peter. In fact, Jesus is going to offer him, again, that peace, the peace that he had promised him before. Jesus is gonna make sure that Peter understands and experiences it. It's after his death and and after his resurrection. And the disciples are out, they're they're fishing one morning and, and Jesus shows up and he knows that they didn't expect his death and they sure didn't understand his resurrection. And so they're feeling lost and confused out there. And one day Jesus shows up and he begins cooking breakfast for them. Look what happens in John 21, verse 9. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire, and some bread. And after breakfast, Jesus answered Simon Peter, or he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know that I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. And a third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? But Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, then feed, feed my sheep. I love Jesus. I mean, first of all, he knows that if you want dudes to listen to you, you got to feed them first, right? And so I, I love that he started there. But after breakfast, see, I imagine that he kind of put his arm around Peter and said, hey, let, let's go for a walk down the shore. And as they're walking and the waves are crashing in around their feet, right? Jesus looks at Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And I imagine that Peter was like, Lord, you know that I love you, right? I'm all in. I know there was that thing back there a few days ago, but I, I'm past that now, right? I'm whatever you want from me, wherever you want me to go, I am all in. And I imagine that Jesus was just quiet for a little while and they kept walking down the shore. And then Jesus asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? I don't know if Peter was a, a, little, a little weird, right? Like he's like, I, I already answered that question, but yeah, Jesus, yeah, yeah. I get, maybe you forgot. I, yes, I love you, right? I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, I'm, I'm here, Jesus. And Jesus was silent as they continued to walk down the shore. And then a third time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? And that third time, I wonder if it, if it finally made sense to Peter, uh, I see what you're doing. I, I denied you three times, right? So you're asking me three times. Do I love you? Okay. I, yeah, I, I, I get it, Jesus. I get it. See, Jesus wanted Peter to know a couple things. He wanted him to know that he was forgiven. He wanted him to know that he was not done with him yet, but he also wanted him to know that the peace that he had promised a couple days ago, that that was still available for Peter. So why do we struggle? Why do we struggle to find peace in our lives? Let me show you. See, when we face problems and and pain and and pressures in our lives, and we all do, right? We face these things every single day in different ways, different experiences, but we all face these things. The problem is, is that we try to find peace in external ways. See, we try to achieve stuff. We think that if we work harder at things or if we fix things, if we're good at things, we try to buy stuff where with Prime, it can be on my front porch the next day and, and I'll look good and I'll feel better about this new thing that I owned. Or we try to control things in our lives. But here's the problem, is that we think peace is something over here that's going to make us happy. Something that's going to distract us from the reality of what's really going on in our lives. Something that's going to make us look and and feel better. The problem is this, is that peace is never found in external things. Peace is never, it's never an experience. We may feel good in the moment, but the problem is is that that it will never last, right? It it may distract, it, it may cover up for a little while, but it's never gonna solve the issues of what's really going on in our lives. Remember what Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. You are never gonna find it from the world as some external thing that's out there. So don't be troubled and don't be afraid. See, God is the source of peace. He is, in fact, true peace. There's 10 times in the Bible where it calls God the God of peace. See, Jesus isn't just another source of peace. God and Jesus is peace. And so how do, we, how do we receive this peace thing that God is offering to us? Well, there's a couple ways. One is that peace is found in the presence of God. See, we're always gonna have this stuff in our lives. Peace isn't the absence of pain and pressures and problems in our lives. What it is is it's the presence of God in those things with us. See, Jesus called this peace a gift. Said that it's all about a relationship with God. That it's all been taken care of by Jesus this is what we're gonna celebrate in just a couple weeks at Easter. It's the same peace that Jesus had as he faced those illegal trials. It's the same peace that he had as, as people mocked him and, and spit on him and made fun of him. It's the same peace that he had as his body was literally broken and, and beat down. It's the same peace that he had when his friends denied and betrayed him. It's the same peace that he had when he went to the cross. Not because of anything he did, but to take your sin and to take my sin upon himself. See, the peace that Jesus offers, it doesn't remove the problems and the pressures and the pains that we all feel in life, but what it does is it it removes the worry and the anxieties and the fears that are attached to it so that we can deal with these circumstances and not deal with them on our own, but deal with them in the context of a relationship with a loving God that is there in the middle of it with us. Here's another way that we can find peace. Peace is found in the promises of God. See, one of the best things that we can do is hold on to the truths of God's word, especially when we need peace in our lives. And maybe you're not in that place right now, but you're gonna need these at some point. And so uh, these are some things that you may wanna hold on to. Let me just give you a few. Ephesians 2, 14, for Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross, he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. Do you have tensions in in your marriage? Tensions in in your family? How about just dealing with all of the stuff in the political landscape right now, the racial tensions that we've been facing in in our nation and around the world, right? What Jesus is saying is, I brought peace to you. Through my body on the cross, I have broken down, I have torn down the walls, anything that separated you. Whatever felt like there is no way that we could come together, Jesus says, I've taken care of all that. You can actually come together and you can experience peace. You can be one together. How about this one, John 16, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. You're gonna deal with this stuff in life. But look at what Jesus said, take heart because I've overcome the world. This may be a reality in our lives, but I'm so much greater than this. How about this? Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Maybe, at least in my opinion, the greatest promise of peace comes when we put our trust in Jesus, when we say yes to him and we give our lives to him. God promises to give us his Holy Spirit, that his Spirit lives inside of us and and it will produce and work at developing peace in our lives. Look at Galatians 5, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, here it is, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Peace is found in the presence of God. It's found in the promises of God. One last thing, peace is found in the process of God. Now, I know some of you may be asking, Tawny, this is a great gift, right? Like, uh, that's great that God's giving us this, but why doesn't he just keep us from going through all of this in the first place, right? Then, then we wouldn't even need peace. And that's a, that's a great question. In fact, that was God's intent from the very beginning. See, Adam and Eve, they, they made a decision that they thought they knew things better. They knew better than God. They, they were gonna do things their way instead of God's way. And as a result of their sin, of their rebellion, it created a separation between all of humanity and God. As a result, it created things like problems and pressures and pain in our lives. But before we're too hard on Adam and Eve, the reality is, is I do the exact same thing every single day. I mean, I'm not proud of that. Right, but there are all kinds of times in my life where I say, God, I, I know you said to do this, but I, I think I know better, right? I, I think I'm gonna do things my way instead of your way. See, I want you to notice something from Peter's story. I want you to notice how much God loves him because it's the exact same kind of love that he has for you, right? We know that, that Peter denied Jesus three times. We know that Jesus came and, and forgave him three times. And and by the way, that was for Peter. That had nothing to do with Jesus. That wasn't Jesus making sure that he rubbed it in, that that he knew that it was three times. That was for Peter, because I think Jesus anticipated at some point, right, that that Peter may think, well, I denied him three times. He only forgave me once. Did that really, was that enough to cover it? Jesus wanted to make sure that, that Peter had complete peace of mind in this. But I want you to look quickly at one other detail that's real easy for us to miss in this story. And I think it's really important. When Peter denied Jesus, Jesus noticed what was happening. John 18, 18, because it was cold, the household servants and the guards had made a charcoal fire. They stood around it warming themselves and Peter stood with them warming himself. You ever hung out at a campfire before or a bonfire at camp or just a fire pit with friends? I mean, when, when you go home, what's the smell that stays with you? I mean, it's in your clothes, it's in your hair. It's not in my hair, but it's in, in your hair, right? And until we wash and until we, until we get things clean, right? It's that smell of smoke. See, Peter's denial was always gonna be associated with that smell of smoke from that charcoal fire. You ever eaten anything and, and then thrown up afterwards? I know it's gross, but years ago, I, I ate a bag of Fritos, right? And then I, and I threw up. And for years, I couldn't eat Fritos because it was just that association with it. See, I think Jesus knew that every time Peter smelt smoke, that he was gonna remember the decision that he made. He was gonna remember the time that he turned his back on God. He was gonna remember the problems and the pressures and the pain and the shame that came with it. So look at what Jesus did. John 21, verse nine. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over what? A charcoal fire. What was the smell in Peter's nostrils as he walked the shore with Jesus as Jesus forgave him three times? It was the smell of that smoke, right? The, the smell of that fire. That uh, Jesus is amazing, guys, because he cares about every little detail in our lives. I mean, here's the reality. I, I don't know why you've gone through all the things that you've gone through in the past. In fact, I, I probably haven't experienced most of those things. Or I, I, I know that I couldn't understand. I don't know why you're in the middle of some of the pressures and the problems and the pain that you're in right now. And for those of you that aren't, I I do know this, that it's coming, right? Because we all live in this world. We all face and deal with these things on a consistent, regular basis. Here's what I can tell you. I'm pretty sure it has something to do with God growing our faith and our character in the middle of those things. I'm also very confident to tell you that God is willing to provide and wanting to provide peace, even in the smallest details of your life. That God is always at work in the process. Nothing escapes his attention. Nothing escapes the details of what he wants to do in your life because he loves you. He loves you that much. In January 1956, uh, there were five American missionaries who uh, headed to the rainforest of the Eastern Amazon in, uh, in Ecuador. And it was their second visit to the Huaroni tribe, who were anthropologists said were the most vicious, the most violent people on the face of the earth. In fact, uh, they had a culture of killing. Studies showed that at one point, they, uh, 60% of their people died by homicide. I mean, just an incredibly, incredibly violent people. And as soon as those missionaries got there, as soon as they got off the plane, they were met by some men from the tribe who immediately speared them to death. The story caught news around the world. It was on the front of Time and Newsweek and, and, and Life magazine. It was carried in all the newspapers of the death of these five men, including, including Nate Saint and Jim Elliott. Well, a couple years later, Elizabeth and Valerie Elliott, the wife and daughter of Jim Elliott, and Rachel Saint, the sister of Nate Saint. They decided that they were going to move into the the Huaroni tribe, into that village, and that they were gonna show them the love and the forgiveness, and that they were going to minister to the people who had killed their family members. The amazing thing is that eventually Minkei, who was the leader of that tribe, and other men who were involved in the murders of their family, they all gave their lives to Christ. They all said yes to Jesus. They all became Christians. But at least the question, what could possibly make those women want to risk going back to that place. So I think 2 Corinthians 5.19 answers that. God was in Christ offering peace and forgiveness to the people of this world. And he has given us the work of sharing his message about peace. See, the kind of peace that Elizabeth and Valerie Elliott, that, that Rachel Saint experienced, right, that they modeled, That's not something, it just doesn't make sense unless you've experienced the peace of God. But once you've experienced God's peace in your life, so you can't help but to share and to show it with everyone that you come in contact with. Guys, we are always going to have pain and problems and pressures in our lives. Peace isn't the absence of these things, but it's the presence of God right there in the middle of it with you. The gift that he says he is giving to us that we can deal with those circumstances, but we can deal with it with peace and in a relationship with Jesus. Will you bow with me as we pray? God, I just wanna say thank you. Father, thank you for loving us that much. God, the only way that we experience this peace, it's not not anything that we can achieve. It's not anything that we can earn. It's not anything that we can buy. It's it's not something external. It's not an experience. Although we look for it in those places all the time, God, peace is only found in a relationship with you. And so Father, if there's anyone today here that, that maybe for the first time, this just makes sense. God, that you would love them that much that you were willing to die on a cross, that you took their sin upon yourself so that we could be free, we could be forgiven, we could experience that same peace that Peter experienced that day, walking on the shore with you. That the past is gone, the present taken care of, and the future dealt with. Father, if there's anyone watching online at our campuses this weekend that that says, I want that peace. I need that relationship with Jesus. Wherever you are just in the quiet of your heart would you just pray this after me that God I believe that Jesus is your son that I believe he came to this earth and that through his death and through his resurrection that he accomplished everything that I need in my life I confess my sin my brokenness my problems my pressures my pain to you God I thank you for the gift of forgiveness and for freedom and the peace that is offered in a relationship with Jesus. I give you my life. Help me to the best of my abilities to follow you every single day. So if you made that decision today, it's the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. It's not something you have to do. It's not something you can earn. It's a gift that is given to you. The peace of God that comes from a relationship with Jesus. Father, I pray that you help us. This week to identify what's that one thing in our lives that we're still holding on to, that one area of our lives where we are not at peace. We're trying to find it, we're trying to buy it, we're trying to fix it, we're trying to accomplish it, or maybe we've even just chosen to run away from it because we just we just don't think there's any hope in that ever being solved. God, would you help us to recognize today to own that thing? And then God to invite you into the middle of it. And Father, we would experience your peace and that, God, we would experience your help as you help us deal with that circumstance, that relationship, that situation in our lives. God, thank you for loving us that much. Jesus, we love you, and we pray that you are honored and glorified by our lives, by the things that we say and the things that we do. It's in your perfect name we pray.
0: Thank you for listening to the HOPE Podcast. We appreciate you joining us as we tackle issues facing our modern world from a biblical perspective. To make sure you don't miss a message, please take a moment and hit the subscribe button. Also, if you're new to HOPE and want to check out what we're about and how to be a part of our community, go to our next steps at gethope.net slash next. Let us know your story because we'd love to connect with you.